ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to Wrong Think Radio. I'm your host, Aaron, broadcasting from just outside the nation's capital in beautiful Northern Virginia. And I'm Alan, coming to you from the lovely and sunny greater Seattle metropolitan area. And this is Wrong Think Radio. This is our two-hour live program that we put on every single week to bring you guys our facts and analysis of what's going on in the world, what's happening in media and culture, and why you should probably be kind of terrified about it. It seems to be the uh, actual theme these days. So, uh, because of some of the comments that we've got from people uh, regarding certain sound issues, Alan's testing out a new microphone, so let us know how it sounds for you guys. Just, uh, you know, because why not? Playing around with new tech is always a fun time, uh, especially when um, you're working with technology that tries to help you. And by that, I mean it ruins everything, because why? Um, <laughs> that yeah. seems to be how new tech works. So, uh, pretty epic uh, week that's going on. There's a lot of stuff going on in the media. Uh, a lot of, oh my gosh, like uh, an insane amount of clarifications, corrections, um, downright lies that need to be covered. And it was also, uh, oddly enough, um, for the lack of, I guess, tons of reporting when it comes to like the Biden administration, there was actually a lot of things that did occur this week that requires some focus and some discussion um, to include a weird pattern that I noticed, which I guess will be kind of the kickoff, uh, which is, uh, I'm just going to throw this out at you, Alan, and just get your reaction. What's the left's obsession with puppets? And by that, I don't mean Joe Biden. I don't know what you're talking about. (laughs) Okay, good. (laughs) Because that means nobody else probably is either. Two separate instances. We'll start with one. Um, <clears throat> the UN had their big climate summit where a bunch of rich people flew in private jets and uh, massive motorcades out to Glasgow to sit down and lecture uh, everyone else in the world uh, that you're not allowed to drive the car that you want um, because a bunch of rich elites who have yachts and private jets and motorcades uh, are worried that you're going to uh, hurt the environment Um, so they all flew out to Glasgow to change the weather. Um, part of this, uh, summit included the introduction of a gigantic puppet of a Syrian girl that was, what does Syrian girl have to do with climate change? Oh, well, you see, she represented refugees. She was representing refugees because... You see, everything that's going on in Syria and other places are because of, you guessed it, climate change. In fact, every bad thing, just like how every bad thing that's ever happened to the world ever was because of racism, it's now also because of climate change. In fact, racism's probably because of climate change. How can people be so stupid as to keep believing this shit? Uh, well, I mean, that would be a whole psychological weirdness that we have to go into. Um, I think that the, one of the easiest ways to kind of cover that is it's all based on, um, you would hear a lot of statements where people talk about like dopamine, um, and Mm. it becoming a very addictive substance and things like that. It's all about emotion. If you're a good person, you're worried about climate change. And then you start to get all the feel good tingly tinglies. Um, when, you know, you're told that you're a good person fighting climate change. 
And that's like, uh, that I, I hate to say it, like that's 100% of it. There's no logic besides, I want to feel like good people. So I'm going to, it, like, it doesn't matter how stupid any of the statements are. It doesn't matter how, like, broken or dumb any of it is. I'm going to fight climate change. Hmm. Very exciting. Yeah. And, and it's, I mean, they blame everything on it because, well, to be honest, they blame everything on climate change because when you have everything being blamed mm-hmm. on it, there's no one thing you can point at to disprove it. So I'm going to say, like, probably the biggest argument against capitalism is the fact that capitalism has produced this generation of psychotic elites trying to turn all of their power and money to destroying everything good in the world. Right. Well, that and anything that makes people independent. Yeah. Like, that's that's the big the big part of it is it's anything that makes people independent. Um, I think that that's the big, the real big focal point of it. Yeah. Because they, they want to control everything. I mean, it almost makes me feel, uh, like, like I'm diminishing the, the reality of it, but I'm totally not. <laughs> like no, I, yeah, no, it, it's, it's the paradigm of ultimate control. A lot of this is. A lot of this goes back to post World War One, where people looked at the horror of World War One and went, "Oh my God! Like, how do we, how do we ensure that this never happens again?" And what they came up with, and this is the, this is the thread that links everything about this, whether the whole, what well, let's just call it the New World Order. Like this, the thing that links all of it together and makes all of it logically coherent, is the idea that it is about achieving peace and eliminating conflict. The whole idea is that. If people have nothing to fight for, if there's no nations, there's no religions, there's no different races, there's no nothing, there's no uh, economic classes. Essentially, if people have nothing to fight for, then they will have nothing to fight over. And we can have this glorious gray peace where we degenerate human society back to slime mold. (laughs) And that is essentially the underlying, I guess goal of a lot of this like what's the goal of all this climate change rhetoric is to stifle human development and creativity in order to control the impact on the earth in order to control the climate and it it all goes back to if people are controlled if they have nothing to fight for if there's nothing if there's nothing that uplifts the human spirit then people will not feel the need to fight one another or try to strive and have ambition because all of that is related it is the same as the the whole entire goal of communism and socialism. The real underlying psychological desire and goal there is to eliminate competition between people. They view competition between people as essentially inefficient. And we should all be working together as one giant ant hive for some undefined end. And that's why they that's why everything that's happening is the antithesis of freedom, the antithesis of choice, the antithesis of history and all of the other things that give human life meaning have to be destroyed by these new world order globalists because that those are the things that lead to conflict and strife and prevent essentially organized rule by the experts. And that's 
kind of what it all comes down to. It's been the, it's been the, that's why they're leveraging giant banking institutions and corporations and all these other forces of power because they want people to be essentially subservient drones because then they'll not have conflict. We won't have all this inefficiency. We won't have all of these different competing resources. It'll all flow and work like a giant machine. And that's why it's so horrifically evil because it's trying to eliminate human consciousness and turn it into a machine or a insect colony more than essentially a civilization of conscious human beings. Yeah. I mean, I don't actually think that that's a ridiculous way to look at it, to be completely honest. Well, and, mm -hmm. and I mean, there's a lot of stuff that we can kind of go into. Um, yeah. But like it, it, on top of a lot of other things, it is wild. This whole COP 26 or whatever the hell they call it. I mean, agenda 21. Well, there's that. You know, right. I'm talking about the actual conference, like the one that's in Glasgow right now. Um, that is all it is. Like, I, There's no other way to really look at any of these initiatives, these UN summits and everything else, other than just a bunch of stodgy elites trying to tell everybody how to live their lives. It's, I mean. Well, and it's all it, a lie. Mm -hmm. It's yeah. all a lie. The entire purpose of things like this climate summit is essentially to instantiate that lie so deeply that people will go, okay, come on. If it's a lie, it is, it's the whole goal of all of this is to make the lie so big that normal people won't will, – will not allow themselves to think that it might be false. Right. Because you could look at it and say like a normal person – they want a normal person who can say – I mean, if climate change is a lie, well, then how is the UN supporting it? They had they have all these giant conferences. Are you telling me all of that's a lie in bad faith? That's crazy. And it's like, yes, it is crazy. And that's the entire reason why they do these things is to make the lie so big that it seems inconceivable that it could possibly be false. But it is a lie. It's totally a lie. Climate human anthropogenic climate change is not just going to destroy the planet. It's barely changing the climate if at all the greater amount of co2 in the atmosphere is increasing the amount of plant life everything is great like oh the climate's changing guess what as the glaciers melt in europe we are finding forests beneath them and the mm. forest carbon date to only the time of the roman empire all of the accounts we have of travelers throughout Europe from the time of the Roman Empire, say, let's just say 0 AD, probably maybe probably about maybe 100 BC to 300 AD. Mm -hmm. None of those travelers report glaciers where we see glaciers in Europe today. The ice core project in Greenland that drilled giant ice cores out of the Greenland ice sheet and then analyzed them for climate data their models that they returned were that it was substantially warmer during the Roman Empire in Europe than it is today. So all of these factors, the trees under the ice core, the trees, the trees under the glaciers, the accounts of travelers throughout the Roman Empire, the Greenland ice cores, all essentially prove that it was warmer in Europe during the Roman Empire, substantially warmer than it is today. But there was no industrial revolution putting all this carbon dioxide in the atmosphere. So how was it so much warmer naturally during that time? Because the human climate goes in cycles. 
There was something around 1300 called the Little Ice Age, which plunged the temperature in Europe down. It's what caused the Black, essentially the Black Plague, destroyed crops, destroyed people, which led to weakened immune systems, which is why you saw a giant expansion of the Black Plague around 1300. We are still, if you look at the data set from the Greenland Ice Core Project, we are simply warming back to baseline from the Little Ice Age. It started in 1350, dropped the climate for multiple years, and we are now globally moving back up to normal. The global climate shifts quite a bit. I'm sure many of you remember going to the Natural History Museum and seeing back uh, the you know dioramas of the dinosaurs, and there's these giant leafy ferns. The reason we have all this coal and oil and hydrocarbons is because the Earth was awash in masses of plant life to an extent that is inconceivable today during the, say, time of the dinosaurs. And one of the reasons for that is there was drastically higher CO2 in the atmosphere. In an, in an environment high in CO2, plants don't have to work as hard to grow, and they also retain water a lot better. There's little pores on plant leaves, and the pores need to take in CO2 because that's what plant uses for photosynthesis. As these like the more CO2 in the environment, the smaller those pores can get to take in the same amount of CO2, which means that the plant loses less water and nutrients out of those pores through aspiration when it's trying to take in CO2. We're seeing this now as global CO2 levels have risen over the past couple decades, the amount of green foliage on earth from satellite imaging, essentially satellite imaging around the globe, they compare the amount of green foliage now to about a decade ago. And over and a decade ago, there was one North America's less greenery on the face of the planet. So that means of the amount of earth surface above sea level now has added a number of square miles equal to the size of North America of what of greenery of what was previously desert or or dry brush scrubland because the amount of CO2 in the atmosphere as it increases makes it easier for plants to grow. We're actually living in a world where, where crop yields have never been higher simply because it is in an atmosphere more conducive to growing crops. All of this is nonsense. Mm -hmm. well, All of it. And, and, and you, it's like you're telling me that we add what six parts per million for the, of CO to the atmosphere per year, and that's going to doom the planet? It's nonsense, absolute nonsense. And they know it's nonsense, and they are pushing this completely for alternate aims. It is all about deindustrialization. It is about reducing human population. It is about this utopian, controllist scheme that they have that is using climate change simply as a Trojan horse for their agenda, and it is absolutely nothing more. Absolutely nothing more. Maybe human pollution has an effect, but at the same time, that's not what they care about. It's not a UN resolution against pollution. It's a UN resolution against climate change. And climate change is a natural process that they are simply hijacking, and they're simply hijacking it for their agenda. It would be like me saying, Oh, the, like in the fall saying, oh, the climate's getting colder, everybody. Give me tax money and we'll stop it. And then winter comes. And I say, you didn't give me enough tax money. It's now the world's freezing to death. 
And then come the spring, I start saying, good news, everybody. All of that tax money you gave me and all these uh, carbon sequestering initiatives, they're actually, the planet's getting nicer again. The snow's melting. Hooray, we saved everybody. And then a year later, I could, and then, you know, a few months later, I could go, oh, no, the planet's cooling. Oh, geez. Everybody invest in my doomsday bunkers because this is the end. It's essentially that, but on the time scale of a thousand years. We're in a natural warming cycle, and they are hijacking the natural warming cycle and convincing people that it's the sky is falling because of their fake thing. And everyone goes, but the world is getting warmer. They must be true. The prophets must be correct. Quick, sacrifice, sacrifice all of our industry on the altar of climate change, and that will appease the climate gods. <laughs> it doesn't make any sense. Again, let's, if you took them at face value, they would be that it would be a very different set of priorities it would be we are heavily sanctioning china and india we are pushing a massive push for nuclear power to replace all hydrocarbon power if they were serious about climate change caused by human activity their actions would be different mm -hmm. the fact that they aren't taking the actions that would logically follow from caring about anthropogenic climate change proves that all of this is fake it's all in bad faith like every single other thing the left does it's all a bad faith argument designed to manipulate people who are too ignorant to realize they're being manipulated right well and and to to other other points on that like so the whole concept here is it is all BS. Um, my favorite part about it, because where it gets uh, basically kind of turns into a very bad idea, is they're holding this climate summit where, of course, they're, they're, it's going to be the same kind of rhetoric that you're used to, except like you can 100 percent go through and look at uh, either data that was put out, uh, headlines that were put out. Uh, in fact, uh, for anybody who watches like Steven Crowder, they did like an entire episode where they went through like the 1970s and all of the like dire warnings of climate that were going on in like, say, the 70s. And my, my dad talked about stuff where the big worry back in the 70s was the coming ice age and all of this other stuff. But what it really roots back to is at the same time that all of these estimations were going on and every time that these estimations were going on. Because if you remember, um, a lot of this climate alarmism started around the 70s and all of it was doomsday. And then all of it was wrong. And not just on climate, but just on everything that tangentially touches it. There was no population bomb that resulted in famine. We did reach large populations, but it didn't result in famine. More people are eating better today. There's more, basically, there's more food uh, for the world today than there ever has been, even though we reached the, quote, population bomb that was a very popular theory in the 1970s, that there were going to be too many people on the planet. And so, I don't know, we had to start killing some of them off to change the weather or save the world or however you want to phrase it. The reality of all of this is, is they get it wrong all the time. But every single time that they've made these predictions from, say, the 1970s until now, it has been, trust the science. You're not a scientist. You can't question it. 
And I like it because obviously it touches on something that we're going through right now as human beings where you can't, once again, question the science. Because apparently, when it comes to the left's obsession with being the uh, intellectual nobility, the rest of you are filthy plebes. You don't know if... um, If you were smart, you would vote the same way that they did. That's kind of the concept here. So at the end of the day, what it comes down to is these people are absolutely obsessive with telling you that you can't question what they say. And, you know, damn you if you even dare to question the science because science has never been wrong. That's the other part. It's all about about making sure that they're – it's all about – defanging opposition to their scheme it's about and nothing more mm-hmm. it's all it's about manipulating people so that they cannot that they will that it is very difficult for them to essentially wake up from the lie they're being sold it's the same as when you talk about every all these things getting labeled racist or white supremacist it simply is a tactic to make it so people can't see the truth to it's muddying the water that's that that would be the term it essentially is the goal is to muddy the water so much that people can't be feel confident that what they know is true and therefore they will never be able to essentially oppose your your whims right well and as uh hg cynical saying on the live chat um it can't be questioned it's not science it's religious dogma and that's very much true but very true to kind of the initial fun part uh, that we were going to get into, aside from just the hilarity of uh, the reality of what is going on, what was going on in Glasgow, which was just a bunch of elites getting together and figuring out the new way that they were going to uh, basically place a boot on the neck of everybody else uh, to ensure that they maintain power, um, is uh, they they marched out some creepy puppet. I mean, it... it a hundred percent looks like a horror movie. There is a guy that is in a massive puppet suit that Mm -hmm. is supposed to embody. Like it basically looks like what is it? Wicker man. It's almost like something like that. Yeah. Um, I think I know what you're talking about now. Basically it's this big life-size puppet. That's kind of animated by a guy walking around inside it. And it's made to be this Syrian refugee girl. And it's all this just big, stupid performance nonsense to guilt Europeans into accepting masses and masses of migrants from the third world because the the real goal of these people is not climate change but to fundamentally degrade and destroy high trust societies like Europe like America through dilution with masses of foreigners in order to make it so that we can't oppose their agenda they looked at Europe they looked at the United States and said, these people will stop our schemes. They won't put up with it. We not, we need to flood these countries with foreigners from the third world so that they cannot form a cohesive alliance inside the country to oppose our whims. Right. We will get them so busy fighting each other that they can't form a cohesive block to stop us. And that's exactly what they've done. The whole refugee crisis in in. Europe that started in the mid 2010s where millions and millions of people flooded Europe from the Middle East was entirely by design that was entirely by design it was supported funded and it and the logistics were taken care of by these globalist groups in 
for the sole reason that it would dilute the ethnic homogeneity of European countries so that those countries could not ever have a nationalist sentiment that would essentially refuse the globalist schemes. It's the same thing they're doing in the United States. The reason our border has been open for the last multiple decades, that illegal immigration has consistently been a problem, is because it is politically convenient for the people that want to eliminate freedom in the United States. And the biggest hedge against that would be people of the United States feeling a connection with their countrymen and organizing a nationalist sentiment to stop the wholesale rape and destruction of the things they hold dear. When you flood us with foreigners from the third world, it is going to destroy the ability of us to, to work together as a solid team. It is going to introduce so much chaos to our internal society and culture that we will not be able to organize in a way that would actually be powerful enough to stop these transnational globalist groups from eliminating the things that are going to stop them from enacting their horrible agenda. And you're seeing it right now, like in the United States. How can we come together and leverage the power of the American people to stop groups like the UN, to stop groups like Jeff, people like Jeff Bezos? It's like we're so fractured internally that it makes it almost impossible to have a nationalist or populist sentiment on a scale big enough to actually uh, use force to stop these things. We have to sit by and watch it impotently whining because our societies become so fractured that we can't actually oppose it on a scale that would really matter. Now, to to um, part of that point, um, well, I mean, when it comes to the whole, like, puppet thing, because I, I mentioned that I, I recognized a weird pattern and I have to kind of get in uh, to this other part of it, we there was an entire situation this last week where um, Aaron Rodgers, uh, quarterback for what the Packers, um, mm. supposedly I, I don't I don't know the entire story because I don't watch football and I also don't join the media in getting upset about COVID nonsense. Um, but I'm I'm going to paint this out is so Aaron Rodgers supposedly I, I if I remember the story correctly and forgive me if I get it wrong because I'm going to be honest I didn't care. Uh, Because I don't join the media and dumb things. But uh, he claimed that he was vaccinated, but then he wasn't. And then everybody was super upset. And so he went and Uh, gave some statements to like a podcast or something where he basically talked about how like, why do I need to get vaccinated? And there have been some football players that have come out and said, uh, like, I'm perfectly healthy. I have no risk like getting vaccinated. It's silly. It makes no sense. Point is, everybody got upset. He slapped back on why he thought that the vaccine was stupid. And the reaction from the left this week was, don't take uh, medical advice from celebrities. And then a few days later, everybody was celebrating that a puppet, Big Bird, was pushing the vaccine. Because it's now approved. Oh, yeah. Because that's not weird. Now, in all fairness and full disclosure, I don't think anybody watches Sesame Street. I I, I think that that's notable. I, I think it's absolutely notable to point out that I don't think anyone watches Sesame Street. Um Somebody corrected me because I brought up the, at least as far as I knew, Sesame Street was on PBS. Well, apparently it's actually on HBO now, which has its own streaming service. Great. 
Uh, if if there's a child in someone's house, they're probably watching things like Nickelodeon or Cartoon Network. Nobody's watching HBO to like have kids shows. At least I'm fairly certain of that. I'm sure one person's going to go. Actually, the point is nobody watches Sesame Street anymore. It only it only exists because uh, a bunch of liberal elites uh, know that it's a vector for pushing their propaganda, so they fund it. The point, though. Is it was kind of hilarious because don't take advice from celebrities. Don't take medical advice from celebrities. Now here's a puppet telling everybody that they should get, uh, that they should get vaccinated. And I find that hilarious and completely insane. Like they just, they a hundred percent did a one eighty. Now people have yeah. been making fun yeah. of this because it's stupid. It you be. are you are propagandizing children to go get vaccinated. You're using a puppet, a cartoon character. It doesn't matter. You're first of all, one of the biggest reasons why it doesn't matter is a parent is going to make that decision. Why, why would you go directly to the kid? Unless the only reason for that, the only reason why you would even bring this up to children is to try to create conflict between a child and their parent. To have it to where a kid's like, oh, cartoon person said big, bad, scary things going to happen, mommy. I need to get vaccinated or I'm going to die of the COVID. And then the mom goes, I'm not going to have that put in your body. Nobody knows what's going to happen. And oddly, a bunch of young people keep having heart problems. And there's soccer players like collapsing on the field. But mommy, the cartoon bird man said I'm going to die. Yeah. It's mostly your kids. If I had kids, it would be, I would be pretty much hard pressed to allow them to watch any kind of mass media. I mean, we're seeing it with Big Bird, but Nickelodeon, Cartoon Network, like anything made for kids these days, pretty much I'm starting to get skeptical that it's all just a delivery mechanism for evil into their minds. Oh, just, just like tangential, like seeing kids cartoons these days. I'm yeah. Like, I'm somewhat joking, but I'm also not joking. I'm pretty sure, like, half of cartoon characters are uh, all, uh, they're, like, all members of Black Lives Matter, and half of them are transgender. It's just, it is, it is that much of a kind of, like, indoctrination hellscape. But what's amazing to me is, like, so people made fun of this. They made fun of the fact that it was like, wow, this is so dumb you are put like, it's just dumb that you marched out a a puppet, like basically a completely irrelevant show that nobody watches anymore. Uh, But you marched out and you made some vaccine stance. So conservatives made fun of it on Twitter. Mm -hmm. And it is honestly by far the weirdest reaction I have ever seen because liberals were incensed over it. They got so pissed off that somebody like Ted Cruz made fun of, of big bird that now like i'm not joking that you can look at a bunch of like blue check mark libs on twitter that are like it's almost all they're talking about well it there's something the whole vaccine push campaign is just by day getting more and more unsettling it's like the stuff that they're doing to push this vaccine is incredibly strange and vastly unprecedented. Right. It's like if you're in, there was, I think it was, 
I can't remember the state. It was like maybe I want to say Louisiana or somewhere in the south. And it was, oh yeah, if you're a if you're an inmate in prison, we'll expunge your record if you get the vaccine. And it's like, what? The, the lengths they're going to to make sure every single person gets injected with whatever this is is so bizarre. It only makes me more and more suspicious. For, here's a good another good example. We were told that. We have to have a vaccine mandate, and it's a national security problem. We need everyone in the military to be forcibly vaccinated with this because COVID is going to lay our military low. Now, granted, COVID doesn't really hurt or even hospitalize or really even negatively affect anybody who is healthy in the prime of their life, like everyone in the military. Right. It's like find a group, find a group of people with fewer what was it, comorbidities per capita? I bet the military would be pretty dang low. Mm-hmm. But we were told, oh my gosh, they all have to get stuck with this thing because it's so super duper important or else they're all going to die of COVID. Well, they did the same thing with all of anyone that works on a military base. And they did the same thing with contractors. U.S. Naval Yards imposed this vaccine mandate and 30% of their employees just quit. And you're just like, no, I'm not doing it. I'm going to quit. The U.S. Navy for years now has com- constantly complained about a lack of repair and service on their ships. They're saying our ships are overworked. We mm-hmm. neglected the fleet during almost all of the war on terror. A lot of our fleet is aging and in desperate need of serious retrofit and repair. And now all the naval yards are horribly understaffed because they just made sure all these people quit. You're like, okay, how is it a bigger national? How is the national security threat of soldiers catching COVID needs to be weighed against what is the national security threat of our shipyards being gutted of their employees, of Navy, of dozens of Navy SEALs quitting, of highly experienced people that we need in the military all just resigning and leaving because they're like, I'm not going to comply with this mandate. That is going to do more ne- more detriment to national security than the five soldiers that might get laid low with COVID. Mm-hmm. So that's utterly ludicrous. And that proves to that proves to me at least that all of this push for this vaccine is completely divorced from whatever the realities of COVID are. That is the one thing that you, uh, you can say definitively. The, vac- the campaign to get every man, woman, and child in America injected with this is totally divorced from the actual realities of the coronavirus. And that makes me very, very concerned because I don't then know, or at least my mind can then wander, well, why would they, why is the only success metric for the regime that every single man, woman, child gets injected with this? And no amount of detrimental effect seems like it is going to stop them. Heck, the uh, federal judge ruled that their OSHA mandate was unconstitutional and illegal and they couldn't do it. And the Biden regime then said, well, we're going to go through with it anyway. It's like it, if it goes to the Supreme Court and the Supreme Court says you can't do this, you can't have a, a man, you can't mandate a vaccine through OSHA. Is the Biden regime going to actually even listen to it? And what happens if they don't? Like, that's a question. What happens if they don't? Do we have any powerful mechanism to stop them? Clearly, that's the only thing they care about. And that makes me extremely suspicious. I don't know. I just, I don't know what's in the vaccine. I don't know what it's going to do to people because no one does because it's brand new and we just test, but no one knows. 
And the fact that they then, that we don't know, that COVID doesn't seem to be really that big of a threat to most Americans, 99% survival rate and all, it makes this push for the vaccine seem very, very worrying, very suspicious. At the very best, the very best, it's wild medical experimentation on a massive scale. Mm-hmm. That's the best case scenario. Well, and, and I to, don't, it, it only gets worse from there. To that point, like there, there, there were big news stories back on like the 29th of uh, October where uh, it, the Biden administration basically said it was going to ignore a judge's order. There was a temporary restraining order and they said, yeah, we're not going to halt the firing of federal employees waiting on religious exemptions. Like we don't care, um, which and, and there have been other kind of situations where it's these the yeah uh, the the administration basically just came back with like yeah we're not going to listen to the courts and uh, as as you're stating it was either uh, maybe it was friday um yeah circuit court judge uh put a halt an injunction out uh, saying like hey you you this osha ruling is not constitutional now the real question here is whether or not the whether or not the uh, Biden administration is even going to listen, and I think that this is a notable thing to bring up because if you want to look at one of the, I, I guess it, it sucks, right? Because uh, this is not the discussion anybody wants to have. But this is the big difference between the left and the right. The Biden administration is likely going to just turn around on this uh, court order. Where they say like, ah, uh, yeah, no, um, we don't think it's constitutional for you to, uh, you can't use OSHA as a weapon to enforce vaccine mandates, uh, to private businesses. That's, that's the ruling of this circuit court judge. Uh, most likely what Biden's going to do is go, yeah, we're not going to listen to that because we're saving the world. And the entire left is going to go, well, uh, that court is just ridiculous. They just want people to die. And they're not going to listen. And how many mm-hmm. times throughout the like Trump administration did conservatives see something that they want and then a bunch of liberal judges in San Francisco or wherever go, uh, we're going to have an injunction on that. Uh, we're just we're just going to yeah. throw out an injunction. And then conservatives went, oh, well, geez, OK, gosh. And then they just gave up. That's fundamentally the difference between the left and the right. The right will sit there and. I'm not saying that this is necessarily a bad thing in principle, which is we have the rule of law. We have the Constitution of the United States. We have all of these things. In principle, that's not a bad thing. But in practicality, when your opposition doesn't give a damn about the rules, you're going to lose every time. They're going to use the rules that you're so obsessed with to hamstring every effort you have to take away their power and take away their tyranny. And then they're going to flaunt the rules that you attempt to use to then stop them. And they're going to try to morally justify it. And I'm not really sure. Like it's just that, That's what's so frustrating is I have no idea what the outcome of this ruling is going to be from the circuit court. I want it to be that everybody looks at this and says, yeah, OSHA can't do that. It's stupid. This whole thing's gone way too far. It's like way out of control. We're not doing these vaccine mandates. 
But I feel like what's really going to happen is the Biden administration is going to go, uh, nope, we're saving the world and the entire media is going to back us up and we're not going to listen to the court because ultimately what are Republicans even going to do? Because that's really what it comes down to. If the Biden administration completely flaunts a circuit court judge's order, what are Republicans going to do about it? They're not going to impeach Joe Biden. They won't do it because they've tried to impeach Joe Biden over some legitimate things, or at least as legitimate as all the things that they tried to impeach the last president over. And the Republicans were like, oh, Marjorie Taylor Greene's crazy. She's toxic. Oh, gosh. So why wouldn't they just flaunt the rules? Because Republicans aren't going to do anything about it. And that's the... That's really the question. What are Republicans going to do about it? What are we going to do about it? All of this, I think it has become clear over at least say the past five years that the only way to make anything happen is if we make it happen. And we can no longer just rely on the system, on laws, on the government. We can't just rely on things working because there is an intense, well-funded and well-organized group of people trying as hard as they can with every trick in the book that their money wealth and influence can buy to subvert all of the normal rules and mechanisms that would prevent abuses in our society. Right. Well, and, and what is happening that I think is, is great is, I mean, as it, it's great in the idea of it's a, phenomenal social protest it's not great in the idea that uh people have to take these kinds of measures which is people are just walking off the job and unless unless the biden administration is going to turn around and say go to these shipyards and say uh you know because we've i'm not i'm not i'm not a legal expert when it comes to things like the defense production act so i'm just this is theoretical so don't don't freak out um but are we going to get to a point where they say, oh, well, because we've authorized the Defense Production Act, if you walk off the job because you didn't uh, want to get vaccinated, we're going to call it treason because we're at war with COVID. Like, is that how they're going yeah. to handle it? Because, I mean, we are like we the Defense Production Act is in effect and mm -hmm. we are, for lack of a better term, at war with COVID. Right. The only thing preventing them from doing that is that there might be ramifications. Like <laughs> yeah. someone might step in and try and stop them. It would be a too much of a mask off moment, but that doesn't mean they're not going to try. They increasingly, you what you see from the regime, from the Democrats, from the media, is they are willing to go to any length to ensure that, the, that their opponents can't have a single smidgen of hope or victory. Right. And now... Um... No, and that's and that's exactly it. It it will be interesting to see what the reaction is going to come because obviously the 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 standard thing when it comes to these types of vaccine mandates and uh, I believe it was Austria as of I think midnight tonight they actually instituted a lockdown only for unvaccinated people. Yeah, we're and. Yeah, and, and like we're watching madness overtake civilization at a level that, like, like, what, what, how do you stop that? 
in Austria is that are people just going to wake up? Are we expecting that one day every like the government of Austria is going to go? <laughs> Sorry, everybody. We just came to our senses. You're right. Everything's fine. Let's all go back to normal. I feel we're increasingly approaching a point where there is no going back to normal. Mm-hmm. Like if you're in Austria and you're how, – how does the Austrian government either – the Austrian government either wins and writes a history book saying it's correct or they have to essentially be overthrown and then there be essentially like trials to, to, to establish that that was indeed a reprehensible move that a government should not be allowed to make. There is no that there might not be a future we where we all just wake up one day and everything's gone back to normal. It might not even be able to happen in a slow. Oh, we just kind of progress back towards sanity, and then you know, in a decade, everything in America was sane and nice again. I think we have to steal ourselves for the fact that that is in fact an impossibility, and I don't really know where we go from here. But it seems like there is no way forward that is not some kind of fight some kind of big political fight to wrest control back of our countries and then in basically through say laws or amendments or whatever have trials for these people and ensure that this can never happen again it's like there is no normal again there is no normal we will be living in an abnormal world whether we win or lose right like uh, un- unless there is a massive reckoning like, like the yeah, only and way even then, that's not normal. There is no normal. Like the nice, happy nineties and early two thousands that's gone forever. And I think we should just recognize that don't be trying to get back to that because it was those good times that led to these, these times and a fundamental change has to happen. Either we have to lose and these, and the bad guys win, or we have to win and ensure the bad guys can no longer threaten us. But either way, that is a fundamental and serious and will be a very painful change regardless of what it is. Right. No, I mean, yeah. And, and to the same point, um, because there is other insanity occurring, uh, we watched the, quote, bipartisan infrastructure package get passed last week. Um, one oh. of the things that I have to bring up is, uh, I'm actually really shocked that the, like, official press stance of the white house is to brag about something being bipartisan because at the same time like think think about this for a second um not to go down this rabbit hole but why would why would it be a good sell to call something bipartisan while at the same time you are suggesting that the entire republican party is basically a domestic terrorist outfit why would you brag about um working with a party that your entire like media propagandist outlet is suggesting that they are in fact domestic terrorists. Yet here if we are. You were that opposition party. Why would you give your opponents who call you a domestic terrorist and racist? Why would you allow them to win anything? Well, right. Well, that's yeah. I mean, that's because like that's the other side of the coin. Is that what is to be gained if you were in opposition to the global elite and this paradigm of control they want to enact on all of us? If you're in opposition to that, why would you allow them any victories? Right. I mean, it's either because like, you're what stupid. What does it serve? Why are, how are we served by a Republican Party that essentially collaborates with the enemy? Yeah. What What? What was in this $1 trillion infrastructure package that was so worth it for Americans 
that you were going to give the Biden administration a win because there's not a single thing in there that's like, okay, well, I can see why a Republican would support this. There isn't. It, it Most likely uh, because of the thousands of pages that it is, it's a money laundering scheme because all of these government things are money laundering schemes. And once again, we'll go back to the standard thing for all those boilerplate conservatives um, is uh, what exactly has conservatism conserved? You just spent $1 trillion on uh, tree equity and nonsense like that. So great job conserving something. Yeah. Like, hooray. Uh, and, and <clears throat> But there's the next step, which is the Build Back Better plan. Hooray. That's the new thing that's going to be getting voted on. And what's more insane, I guess, is supposedly, at least according to some some press accounts that I saw today, you know, Nancy Pelosi has enough votes to actually push the Build Back Better plan, which is trillions more dollars, um, which I, I don't know, like we, we can just get into the insanity of that. Nobody really knows what's in it aside from it's a bunch of. Climate change nonsense, a bunch of social control nonsense, and it's a bunch of money that's going to get laundered to dumb liberal projects. This is all about just lining other people's pockets. Well, it's more than that. It's lining other people's projects, and it's making it impossible to oppose the regime. It's about gutting the resistance to what they want to do. Right. It's It's about destroying small business. It's about destroying the ability of people to be independent of the system. It's about destroying the ability of for essentially freedom, free market, all of the things that would allow us to resist are being intentionally degraded. I'm sure a ton of stuff is in there that's going to change the way agriculture works to give the government more clamp down control over the food supply, over energy production, over all of these things. And then once they have all that control, do you think they're just going to be benevolent with it? Do you think they're just going to be using it to just just enrich themselves? No, they're going to use that to very detrimental benefit because they view us as the enemy. Mm-hmm. Well, and, and, and that's, that's what's worrying to, to that point. Um, this is the kind of ludicrous thinking um, that went into uh, developing uh, this build back better plan. There was an exchange between April Ryan and uh, Pete Buttigieg when they were talking about the infrastructure and Pete Buttigieg uh, was talking about racist bridges. That's a that's a real thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and Alan yeah. wonderfully did some research for us. But real quick, let, let's play the clip of Pete Buttigieg and talking about racist bridges to give you an idea of the kind of, quote, problems that the uh, Biden plan is going to solve by putting us in crippling debt. As to where we target those those dollars, you know, I, I'm still surprised that some people were surprised when I pointed to the fact that uh, if a highway was built for the purpose of di- dividing a white and a black neighborhood, or if an underpass was constructed such that a bus carrying mostly black and Puerto Rican kids uh, to a beach, or that would have been uh, in New York, was, was designed uh, too low for it to pass by, that that obviously reflects racism that went into those design choices. Uh, so highways were built to divide black and white neighborhoods and uh, bridges were built low specifically 
specifically to keep buses full of black and Puerto Rican kids uh, away from the beaches. According to the White House, according to the Transportation Secretary, they are targeting these dollars to take care of all the racisms that occurred in the development of highways and bridges. Now, Alan, you happened to bring up exactly what they're referencing here and who, because it is a person. And specifically, it's in Long Beach. That is, uh, there is one source, there is a single source to the statements that bridges and highways were built out of racism. And, and Alan, what is that source? Alan might be dead. We may have lost him forever. Um, no, no, no. Everything's oh, fine. Everything's uh, fine. <laughs> I was just slightly muted there for a second. So all of this comes from a book called The Power Broker, written by a gentleman named Robert Caro in 1974. This book highlights the essentially life achievements of a urban planner in New York named Robert Moses. Now, Robert Moses was building all of this in the 1920s and 30s. He was building all of this with money from the FDR New Deal program, and he was at the time a major progressive. His, so we'll start with that. He's under his tenure. They were they were building uh, swimming pools. They were building playgrounds. They were building anything. They were doing big public projects as part of the New Deal to get people back to work. Great Depression. 1930s. All of this, though, all the racism allegations come down to this one book. In that same book, they allege that Robert Moses intentionally lowered the temperature of swimming pools because he thought black people didn't want to swim in cold water. And there's no evidence of any of that at all. But that's just so that's the level of intellectual rigor that this book is operating under. And it's the one source for this but this same book and this same scenario of well yeah do you hear about the time they built racist bridges that is all throughout academia i heard that multiple times in college and my master's program was they people using this as to highlight oh this even this is proof of systemic racism they once built bridges to keep black people away from the beach and it's all from one book that was also claiming that they intentionally made pools closed, uh, cold. They intentionally made swimming pools cold because black people wouldn't swim in cold water. Right, right. It's it was nonsense. Well, now, and and uh, forgive me because I stepped away for a quick second. But um, yeah, sure. did did you mention the time frame? So the time frame on this is the 1920s and 1930s. Okay, as part of the New Deal, very progressive time. This gentleman, Robert Moses, was essentially allied with FDR and his progressives. Right. And he was doing a bunch of infrastructure projects um, to include building parkways and highways. Yeah. Now, So one of the major things that Robert Moses does get some criticism for is that he, he favored the personally owned automobile above mass transit. He thought that the, the, in, the individual owning the automobile was the future and that <laughs> they should make essentially that key to the infrastructure development. This is where you get him devising these big, expansive parkway road systems around New York City. And the idea of a parkway at this time was it was a park. 
you were driving through a beautiful park on your way through the city. It was meant for individual people for essentially what would be commercial, not non-commercial traffic. So just mm -hmm. individual people in their individual cars would have a beautiful road through the city to drive through that had essentially a park on either side. It was lined with hedges, so you couldn't really see the city. And then all of these bridges over it, because there were overpasses, they were all these beautifully designed bridges made out of nice stone with the whole goal of being this is for individual personal traffic through the city and we're going to make it really nice mm -hmm. and it goes all the way through the city it goes from here it goes to the beach now he also got criticism because during these big huge projects imagine putting a highway into a city where a highway doesn't exist you're gonna have to bulldoze a lot of stuff he got criticism. oh he was bulldozing black and latinx neighborhoods oh my Oh, he was bulldozing farmland and then telling the farmers that it was an engineering constraint. But actually, it was because they didn't want to bulldoze an area owned by rich people. Okay, that be that as it may. That's also, I think, very explainable as you, you submit the first design and then the mayor calls you and says, why is the biggest donor to my reelection telling me that your road's going to destroy his house? reroute the road through an area that doesn't affect the like major political donors of the city I don't, you don't have to be racist to be like okay well where can i put this road through i have to demolish something what can i where what can i demolish that is not going to upset any of the political figures in the city that i am responsible that are responsible for my job yeah. Therefore, he picked low-income neighborhoods and neighborhoods of people that didn't have heavy, lots of political clout. Maybe that's racist. Maybe it's not. But that's at least very understandable. So in the end, Robert Moses then designs these bridges. Mm -hmm. The bridges that go over this beautiful parkway he designed from the city to the beach are too low for buses. This is where they call, talk about racism. Oh, well, because... He clearly was designing these bridges too low so that buses couldn't get to the beach so it would keep all of the black and brown people from getting to the beach because they were poor and they would have to take the bus. And that there's, if the bridges were too low, then they couldn't take the bus to the beach and it was a way to be racist to black people. That's the claim. People mm -hmm. in academia say this. The Secretary of Transportation of the United States just repeated this claim. And it is, like everything else on the left, completely baseless and nonsense with just a minimum of investigation. The real story behind this is that they were building parkways. The parkways were designed specifically for individual car traffic, not commercial transportation. The roads themselves were already restricted to only cars. When he was designing the bridges for this road, the road already was restricted by law of the city, from the city that commercial traffic was not going to go along these roads to keep them nice, to keep them traffic free, to prevent big trucks, commercial vehicles, cargo carriers, city buses were all restricted from the roads to begin with. So when he designed these bridges, designing them too low wasn't a problem because it simply was, well, it's already illegal to drive a bus on this road. Why would I build the bridge that much bigger to accommodate a bus when a bus isn't going to be driving on it? There's nothing. Look, that's the real story. 
And in the end, maybe you could say he was a little vindictive because he was quoted as saying, well, the laws can change. I'm going to intentionally design my bridges low so that if they change the laws in the future, they won't ruin my nice parkway with a bunch of big, noisy buses and cargo vehicles. So he he cared about making nice parkways way more than he cared about racism. And they were already restricted simply to cars. So with anything, he was just more, mostly going, why would I spend the extra city dollars building t bridges bigger than any vehicle needs on this road where the city has already restricted buses? Secondarily, the parks that he designed on the waterfront to service the beach had large bus terminals built into them. The entire concept was that cars will drive along this parkway. They will get to the beach. It'll be lovely. You'll have a nice park essentially to drive through. We won't be bothered by the noise of the city or large commercial vehicles. If you're poor and you want to go to the beach, you'll take a bus that will just use a different road network to get to the beach. And when you get to the beach, don't worry. There's a large bus. There's a bus stop at the parks that is designed in from the ground up because people taking the bus to the beach was a real issue. They wanted people to take the bus to the beach. They just said, well, the buses are going to use a different route. And this nice parkway we're designing for drivers in, in individual cars will be free of buses and commercial vehicles. So what did the Trans Secretary of Transportation actually complain about? He was basically making this claim and assuming no American was going to look into it because it allowed him to essentially spread blood libel against normal heritage Americans and continue the felonious, the false claim that America is structurally racist. He lied. He lied. And the lie was so easy to debunk that no one on his, but no one on his staff told him. And if they did tell him, he chose to ignore it. That's what's astounding about this is that well, the story is absolutely false, is totally reasonable it does not reflect his systemic and historic racism in the United States and is made out of whole cloth and then never fact checked by anybody involved in this because it's more important for them to spread the lie of institutional racism in America and ensure that everybody believes it than it is to be honest. Well, and what I find fascinating is is let's just focus on one point here. So supposedly it's, it's Robert Moses, correct? Yeah. Okay, so so Robert, Robert Moses um purportedly according according to all of these people on the left uh, because this this is what was funny is I I made a to a little bit inside baseball. Um I I made a joke about this uh last night on our pre-show call and Alan was like, "Oh, no, that's not something new. I've heard about this for years. Let me explain." And yeah. he went into the whole whole deal yeah. on it. So he's like, "This like as much as much fun as it is to guffaw about Pete Buttigieg, this is not like austere thinking. This is regular in academia. But let's focus on something real quick. So Robert Moses, that's the whole focus point. That's the example. As you've clearly stated, this was based on one person's biography uh, decades later, decades after Robert Moses developed basically Long Beach and the parkways and all of these other things. Um, claiming yeah. that there was uh, just he was just super racist. But recall something. This mm. was the 1920s 
and the 1930s in America, which the left has absolutely assured me was super racist. Like super duper racist. Just a hundred percent a Klansman on every corner, uh lynch mobs just murdering blacks left and right. Because I mean I'm I'm not even trying to be hyperbolic here. According to the left, America, uh really up until uh never has been super racist the entire time. Uh, we've never stopped being um, exceedingly racist. But certainly, because remember the whole, uh, there's always that joke where people talk about like, oh, make America great again. They go, what do you want to go back to the 1950s full of racism? So that was the 1950s. That's 30 years. You know, 30, you know, 30, 20, 30 years after Robert Moses was developing all of this stuff. So if it was Mm -hmm. just egregiously racist in the 50s, then obviously the 20s and 30s, it was even worse. I have to bring that up because why does this guy need to sneak racism in the height of bridges or where he builds highways? Why would he need to make a pool colder when he could literally just say, "Uh, blacks don't get to swim here and all of society goes, hooray, because we hate the blacks because we're America. In 1920 and 1930, and we're all racist. Why would you yeah. need to do any of this? You could just say, uh, you don't get to swim here because you're black. Yeah. Why, and, and to to the other point, why why are there why is there bus service? If only blacks and Puerto Ricans ride on buses, because right, you're you're lowering these bridges to keep the blacks and Puerto Ricans out, and they only ride buses. Why would a super racist America even fund a busing system if it was only patronized by blacks and Puerto Ricans whom they hate and uh, are absolutely racist towards? I mean, do you understand the yeah. point I'm making here that this to to believe this idea that all of this infrastructure was meant to um, basically secretly deny races it flies in defiance of everything else the left tells us, which is that racism was rampant and absolutely uh, accepted in America up until like, I don't know, I, I don't think it ever stopped. Like America is supposed to be super racist and everybody's actually like everybody hates black and brown people. So why would you need to be secretive about this? Why, you wouldn't have to do any of the things they're claiming that Robert Moses did because he could literally just say, yeah, blacks aren't allowed in this pool. And all of America goes, Oh, of course not. We hate them. Yeah. Right. Or as Colleen states here, poor kids are just as smart as white kids, which is a literal quote by Joe Biden. <laughs> so well, no. no, but th- that's, what's incredible is in, it's not the first time that this has happened. It's it's not going to be the last time that this is ha- that this happens. Where one person writes something, and then everybody lashes onto it to the point where I mean, okay, look, Pete Buttigieg is a joke. We all agree he's the transportation secretary because that was the reward he got for dropping out of the primary to ensure um, that the brain dead Joe Biden uh, had a chance in hell. Uh, all mm-hmm. of that we get we totally understand but this infrastructure bill 
that they want to pass is rooted, as he stated, we're using, we're targeting these dollars to take care of systemic racism. Yeah. That's all nonsense. There's no way they don't know it's nonsense. It's about control. It's about power. And and so maybe this is a little silly, but like, what's their way that they're going to solve systemic racism? Are they going to take a beautiful parkway and completely demolish it and turn it into a six lane highway? Uh, they're going to get rid of all of this beautiful green space and turn it into a six lane highway um, that's frequented by just uh, diesel belching buses uh, to solve racism. Is is that is that what it is? Like are just a bunch of semi trucks and uh, buses lined up just on the beach spewing out God and everybody who's going to trash the water and just leave their garbage everywhere because that's what happens um, in these neighborhoods and everything is that, is that going to be like, we're, we're going to destroy the environment to solve racism. You know, it wouldn't surprise me if that was actually what motivated a lot of this. Yeah. Like, okay. Just, so we, we want to build a new highway, but the current one is protected as a historic landmark. So we need to call it racist so we can destroy the historic landmark and then build the highway as big as we want. Yeah. Well, that and, you know, let's not forget that Robert Moses built hundreds of playgrounds in the yeah. city, uh, a bunch of parks. Well, you need to topple those like Confederate statues because he's a racist. He also was responsible for advocating for the United Nations to build in New York, for the United Nations to locate itself in New York. So you better tear that building down because that's as racist as a Robert E. Lee statue. Oh, the horror. <laughs> the horror. Can you I imagine mean, Robert I, E. Lee? Robert E. Lee? <laughs> the Robert E. Lee? Yeah, the one and only? <clears throat> I mean, is it different? Racism's racism, everyone. Yeah. I just, I, I, I think it's, what a weird advocacy, right? Like, what was the whole idea there like oh we're gonna be so excited uh or like oh the that's gonna get everyone to support the build back better plan is we're gonna tell everybody that bridges in long island are racist yeah actually that's a good question is so building back better is that going to be we're gonna destroy the bridges what are we gonna do here why would we do this i mean i just it's very curious Yeah, I don't kind, know. Just, it, 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 like everything else, it's all a bait and switch to get dumb, gullible people to support stupid things that are not in their interest by hand, waving the wand of racism around. Yeah, no, I mean it's 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 so dumb. <laughs> yes, yeah, it's, it's it's silly and it's so easy to debunk. That's the part that I think is most terrifying is it's so easy to debunk this. But again, it's telling these giant, giant lies. So if you talk to someone, he said, this is actually totally untrue. The lie is so big that they would rightfully and rightfully say, come on now. The transportation secretary of the United States, a, a you know prestigious political office, wouldn't just lie. He would have his staff fact check this. You random guy must be wrong. Mm -hmm. 
And the reality is you have to then go, no, 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 but he did lie. Specifically, his staff didn't fact check it. And if they did, they told him to go ahead with the lie. They're like, all right, crazy conspiracy theorists. Sure, sure. Like, are you telling, if that's true, that means all the systems of government and control that I, you know, operate with are all compromised by evil people that hate me. Like, and that's, that couldn't possibly be true. It's designed to put you on the back foot and muddy the waters because in order to correct the record, you have to start correcting every single one of these crazy lies. And that's too daunting. Like it, it's almost impossible to go through it now. And people are essentially are believing a completely fake reality, but it's being promoted by so many outlets. They're right to believe it. Like well, if you told me it, it should be that if politicians, the media, Hollywood are all saying something, it, it is ridiculous to think that it's all a lie. Like that is, like, I can see how people would resist it because it sounds too crazy to be true. But that's why they tell the lies so big and on this level is because they want people to think that it's too crazy to think that there's the lies are this big. Well, and, and it, it, it's it's great that you bring up the idea that, you know, of fact checking and all of this other stuff, because there was another story this week, uh, which is fascinating, um, primarily pushed in the uh, news site Mediaite, which is this is this is a fact check from um november 11th which was veterans day which i'm going to get into a little bit of discussion on that but we're going to get into the entire uh false reality that the media is creating uh, but it, this is the headline and it was no joe biden did not refer to satchel page as a negro during veterans day speech so that's a headline it says that it didn't happen um as we, as we know, and as everyone needs to consistently remember, that news organizations know that 99% of their audience will only read a headline, and that will be it. They will not go into the story. They will not check anything else. The headline said it, and that is now the truth, right? Um, so yeah. what's been amazing about this, this is one of the more exciting uh, situations, because Mediaite says they didn't say it or Joe Biden did not call Satchel Page a Negro, which by the way, Joe Biden's obsessed with Satchel Page. There's a hilarious, if you get the chance, um, go watch the, the, go watch Joe Biden's introduction to the Pope. Understand that Joe Biden claims to be a Catholic. Uh, he claims to be a devout Catholic and he is made, meeting the Pope, the head of the Catholic church. And he yammers about Satchel Page to the Pope. Uh, this was, uh, as far as I can tell, before he crapped his pants at the Vatican. Um, but but uh, he babbles about Satchel Page to the Holy Father for like 10 minutes. And the Pope's just sitting there like, I have no idea what the hell you're talking about. Point is, this is uh, th- this is uh, this is the actual they've included this in the fact check. In their article, they say he did not say it. It says conservative critics falsely claimed that President Joe Biden referred to legendary pitcher Satchel Page as a Negro during a Veterans Day speech. Barely more 
than a week after polling the same bit on Biden and Pope Francis. Variations of the same claim spread like wildfire among verified conservative Twitter users Thursday that the president had referred to the late Hall of Famer as the great Negro at the time. Some even including a clip that plainly reveals the falsehood of the attack. Well, here's the clip that they're claiming is false. Thank you for your service to our country. And I just want to tell you, I know you're a little younger than I am, but, uh, you know, I've adopted the attitude of the great Negro at the time, pitcher in the Negro Leagues, went on to become a great pitcher in the pros. Into the-, the, the great Negro at the time, the great pitcher in the Negro Leagues. Okay. Here's the deal. If their news story was Joe Biden misspoke, which he does a lot because he's old and possibly has dementia and meant to say the great pitcher in the Negro Leagues and accidentally said the great Negro pitcher in the Negro Leagues. If they said that, I would say, okay, I get what you're doing here. Because let's let's all be honest here. Joe Biden misspeaks all the time, which is one of the reasons why people are saying that Joe Biden might have mental issues. They're not saying that. They're saying it's a lie. He didn't say. And one of the tweets that they have here is from Benny Johnson, which all he actually does is share the clip with the exact quote. I've adopted the attitude of the great Negro at the time. His name was Satchel Page. So the media is now in a position where they will just lie to you. They will just say, nope, no, he never, no, no, he, he never said that. And then you can literally listen to it and they go, well, you got it wrong. <laughs> yeah. You must have misheard it with your own ears. Like this is, I get it. This is just arrogance on an industrial scale. Yeah, it's insane. And think about all the rhetoric that they have to use. It is just, oh, verified conservatives. It spread like wildfire. Oh, geez. He did say it. Now, like I said, if you wanted to be legitimate and say, look, Joe Biden's a bumbly mess. There's a reason why he's hidden from the press because he says stupid things. He didn't actually mean to say that. That's probably true. That's probably Probably. true. Yeah. He didn't actually mean to say it. He meant to say the great pitcher in the Negro Leagues, and he misspoke because Joe Biden's a bumbling idiot. We would all go, yeah, yeah, okay. You You would disarm the conservative rebuke. But when the media turns around and doubles down and says, you didn't hear him say that. He didn't say that at all. That never happened. Then I'm going to 100% turn around and go, no, it absolutely happened and he meant to say it. We Because he was at Arlington Cemetery, we might as well now call it Hard Arlington. <laughs> I stole that joke, by the way, from Stephen Ignoramus. It's <laughs> a good one. <laughs> he just, he, his only tweet on the subject was Hard Arlington. <laughs> Such a good joke. No, but, but <clears throat> that's the thing. 
because the media is now going to say, you didn't hear that. You didn't see that. Don't believe your lying ears and your lying eyes. I'm going to double down. It's just like the joke about. So there was a rumor going around that Joe Biden crapped his pants. Hilarious. That he had a quote bathroom incident, which was why he took so long when he was at the Vatican. And this turned into, obviously, people making the joke that Joe Biden crapped his pants in front of the Pope. Okay, um, there's nothing to really back it up. But what we do know, and Alan and I talked about this a couple of weeks ago, we didn't mm-hmm. get the chance to go into it on the program, but <clears throat> the joke we made was, regardless of the truth of it, the media and the White House's reaction if this gains traction is going to be so bad that it's going to make it seem like it did happen and they're covering it up. Yeah. Like if they talk about, they're either not going to talk about it at all, which looks like they're hiding it. Or when they do talk about it, they're going to be so weird and psychotic about it that you're going to have to sit there and go, Oh my God, I think he actually did crap his pants. Like I was just joking, but now uh, it's entirely possible that Joe Biden crapped his pants because like YouTube is now shutting down any, uh, any account that says that he did, uh, Facebook has made it, uh, yeah. illegal, you know, fa- Facebook is banning and shadow banning and blocking any posts that talks that, that says like Joe Biden poopy pants or, you know, like whatever Yeah. <laughs> to the point where you're like, Oh, well, so it's that thing is, you know, if it did happen, they would lie to us to prevent us from knowing about it. Right. And, and that's the primary joke there. Now, what's interesting is it, talking about false realities created in the media. We have to discuss the Kyle Rittenhouse trial. Now, this uh, th- this show has not we didn't we didn't make a point of, of going into the Rittenhouse trial for a lot of different reasons, none of which are, are necessarily better because I've had listeners reach out. I've had listeners, you know, kind of bring up like, hey, are you going to talk about are you going to cover this? Are you going to cover that? Um, I'm, I'm not going to try to take the wind out of anybody's sails, but I'll give you a couple of salient points on why uh, we didn't make a big deal out of it. Uh, number one is uh, I don't believe fundamentally that this trial should even be occurring. It's an abomination that this trial is even happening. Um, And so covering it almost feels like I'm legitimizing that the trial should even happen. And I don't believe it should have happened. I think that it's insane that it is. It's entirely politicized. Yeah. It's 100% politicized. This trial is, it's abhorrent that it's even occurring. It's what's even more so is, it's abhorrent that you can literally watch so many videos of what occurred and the determination is pretty easy that it is self-defense. Yeah. So it's just, that's the, uh, that, that's, that's the end, that, that, that's the end of it. Um, that, that I, I don't know a better way to say it. Um, point is, so so that's happened. Um, to go even further down that rabbit hole, there is now 100% an alternate reality which exists when you talk about the trial. 
there is an alternate reality around this trial. And it's anybody who reads the mainstream media has a completely different alternate reality than anyone who's actually watched any of the testimony. And to me, that is absolutely incredible. Yeah. Isn't that that wild? Like, it's... I don't want to overdo it, but it is 100% one of those things that just scares the hell out of me. Right, that we live in essentially a world where people believe wild, crazy nonsense because the media just sort of told them to. Right. So one of one of the statements that came out well there i mean god there's there's so much like we'll we'll piece through just a couple of things number one and i'm sure i'm sure that so many people in our audience are infuriated and have had massive debates uh regarding this court case uh he was not driven there by his mother doesn't matter there are verified accounts all over twitter that 100% will say he was yeah. Not driven there by his mom. He, I looked at it yesterday while I was on the phone with Alan. Antioch, Illinois, which is where Rittenhouse, Kyle Rittenhouse is from, is 1.3 miles from the border. So there's like, he drove across state lines. He's within walking distance of the border. That's like, yeah. that's like saying that because you went into the town where you go and do your shopping, you don't belong there because you don't live there. Yeah. And it's all so dumb. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's all so dumb. And as uh, as Colleen's bringing up on our live chat, it, it it's you know funny because until the Chauvin trial, most conservatives believed Chauvin murdered Floyd. Nobody can watch Rittenhouse videos and misinterpret that. It, see what 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 she's identifying here is the exact pattern that we're we're going to talk about, which is the left no longer wants there to be. Jury trials. The left gets to spend a year poisoning the well, telling everybody what they should believe about a certain incident, taking a 10-second video, putting it on repeat, telling people what they should and should not see in that video, and going, okay, this is what happened. And the entire purpose of it is... When they have a jury trial and things come out where either the jury is completely poisoned and it votes the way that the you know left wants it to, and people go, why did we have to have a jury trial for this? Oh my God, we all knew that that was the case. Uh. Or the jury doesn't find the way that it's supposed to go, and the entire left goes, the justice system must, must be broken. We need to change it so the justice system finds these people just as guilty as CNN told me they were. Yeah. <clears throat> that's what they want. Oh yeah. And, and yeah. I, I, one of, one of the things that's been absolutely fascinating is how many people like, okay, if, if you're somebody on the right, who's been watching the trial or at least seeing the clips, which by the way, I have to hand it to a lot of conservative media. They have not been putting a ton of opinion into the clips. They've been sharing a piece here is some testimony from a guy and they've kind of left their own opinions out of it and let you watch it. So for example, one of the most damning things that occurred was one of the star witnesses 
in this trial admitted that he rushed Kyle Rittenhouse with his gun drawn. He was pointing a gun in Kyle Rittenhouse's face when he got shot. How did the yeah. media cover that testimony? So understand, understand by the way, <coughs> this admission completely destroyed part of the argument of the defense. How, how did that get handled? It was lone survivor of Kyle Rittenhouse testified today. Yeah. It's, like, it's wild. It's like we're living in totally different. Well, what that shows you is the media is intentional. Like, there are people intentionally trying to make it so that people live in an alternate reality to make mm-hmm. it impossible for anybody to talk to each other, to come to terms with one another and to keep us to make sure that we are fighting amongst ourselves so that we can't ally to stop them. Now, with that, one thing that I that I have to bring up, um, because because this is actually uh, th- this is really at the crux of how terrible uh, the left is, when especially when it comes to like trials like this, um, they don't. I, I can't I can't stress this enough. They don't want there to be a trial. The left wanted him hanged, like summarily executed. Yep. They decided he was guilty. He's guilty because he wasn't involved in the rioting. Anybody who was rioting, anybody who was burning down businesses, assaulting regular citizens, anybody who was destroying uh, private property, um, all of those are the good guys. Just understand, those are the good guys. According to the left, those are the good guys. People who are burning yeah. down buildings and assaulting citizens. Those are the good guys. And anybody who's opposed to them are the bad guys. You know this because supposedly um, Kyle Rittenhouse, with literally zero evidence whatsoever, is a white supremacist? That's just believed. And why? Because CNN and MSNBC has said that. I have no idea where white supremacy comes into any aspect of what happened in this situation. All of the people that were shot were white. Yeah, no, it simply is, is, it's, it's team, it's my team versus your team. There, anyone that's not their team are racist, white supremacist, fascist, neo-Nazi, whatever epithet you want to put on, whatever they feel like that day. If you're not on their team, you are all of those things. That's the only reason why they're saying Kyle Rittenhouse is a racist and why it's white supremacy. It's only because he's, he's not on their team. That's it. Now, all the like all the pedophiles and you know domestic abusers and that he killed those were their team and people on their team are good righteous people that are rebelling against the evil oppressive fascism it's right. simply that it is the it's just the two parties there's only two options in their in their heads it's if you're on our team you're a good person regardless of if you're a good person and if you're on the enemy team, then you're a bad person, regardless of if you're a good person. Now, that's the only standard that matters. One one thing that I have to point out to to that point, um, this this judge, uh, Judge Bruce Schroeder, I don't believe 
that Judge Schroeder is, and I'm not trying to break anybody's heart here, but I don't think that Bruce Schroeder is anything amazing as far as a judge goes. And let me explain. All he's doing in anything that I've seen as far as exchanges is uphold to the actual laws as written and ensure fair, a fair trial. Sure. Just understand that, that that's all this man has done, but he's a hero. And I'm not trying to, I'm not trying to insult anybody, but this guy, judge Bruce Schroeder is being hailed as a hero because it's so rare in this day and age for a judge to not just be completely politicized and super liberal and basically just a weapon of the progressive administrative state that we have to be excited that a judge is just doing their job. Yeah. I'm going to play an exchange here between Judge Bruce Schroeder and Thomas Binger, who's the um, chief prosecutor for the state of Wisconsin, uh, who has regularly been made fun of and made into a meme. But I'm going to play this exchange uh, between these two gentlemen because this has caused no amount of insanity on the left and demands to have this judge removed from the case Here's the exchange. There there have been numerous occasions during this trial where they've opened the door. The one time when they're going into Mr. Rosenbaum's prior reason he doesn't like guns. And I said something. I whispered in Mr. Krause's ear. It's because of the prior convictions. Please stop. And he did. He knows if you're going to go into something that's been excluded in a pretrial order, you better ask the court. You better get permission. This is ridiculous. It, you was, know, it wasn't excluded, Your Honor. You know why it was excluded in the first place? Because it's, it was propensity evidence. That is exactly what 90404 is designed to prevent. You're talking about his attitudes? His attitude is he wants to shoot people. Now, I've admitted that kind of evidence in other trials when it's been appropriate. I didn't admit it in this case because, to me, what I've heard in this trial, and by the way, Mr. Richards absolutely correctly points out that just hours ago, I said I had heard nothing in this trial to change any of my rulings. So why? Testimony, Your Honor. Pardon me. That was before the defense testimony. Don't get brazen with me. Uh, uh, you knew very well. You know very well that an attorney can't go into these types of areas when the judge has already ruled without asking outside the presence of the jury to do so. So don't give me that. That's number one. Number two. This is propensity evidence. I said at the time that I made my ruling, and I'll repeat again now for you, I see no similarity between talking about wishing you had your AR gun, which you don't have, so that you could take fire rounds at these uh, thought-to-be shoplifters, and the incidents in these cases, which are not... There's nothing in your case that suggests the defendant was lying in wait to shoot at somebody or reflecting upon the shooting for a vast amount of time. Every one of the incidents involves uh, matters that involve seconds in time. So I don't, I commented at the time, I don't see the similarity, and I don't see the similarity now. You have an incident where he's making comments 
about some alleged shoplifters versus crimes that involve instantaneous actions, whether premeditated murder or whether self-defense, that's for the jury to decide. But I don't see the similarity. I said it couldn't come in, and it isn't coming in, no matter what you think. Number two, I, I have to be concerned that with what Mr. Richards has said about the, the, the progress of the trial, and, and um, when, when you were way, well, I said you were over the line, in, uh, close to, or over the line on commenting on the defendant's pretrial silence, which is a well-known rule. I, I, I'm astonished that that would have been an issue. So I don't want to have another issue as long as this case continues. Is that clear? It is. Okay, I, I wanted to play the whole clip because I want, I want everyone to understand what's being discussed here. So prior to a trial, the um, judge and the defense and the prosecution sit down and they have to decide what is and is not admissible evidence. What the prosecution here, now this is not some fresh-faced brand new lawyer. This is a state prosecutor. This is the representative of the state of Wisconsin. That 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 needs to be stressed. This is Thomas Binger is a representative of the state of Wisconsin. He is the law enforcement representative of the state of Wisconsin's Department of Justice, who is put there by the attorney general, who works for um I, I, I believe it's what is it, Thomas Evers, uh, Governor Evers. Uh, the Democrat governor of Wisconsin, who, by the way, 100% supports gun control, wants there to be red flag laws. All, all of these different situations apply. This guy is not some brand new dude fresh out of law school. This is a seasoned prosecutor representing the state of Wisconsin. Number one, he tried to present evidence that had already been barred. The judge said that evidence does not apply in this trial because your case does not support this evidence. And the idea is Thomas Binger's entire line here was to basically suggest that Kyle Rittenhouse was lying in wait, wanting to go shoot people in the face. That would, that, that's the whole idea. This entire situation was he just went out there to go kill liberals or whatever, whatever. That was his whole case. And the... <laughs> Your phone's loud. Um, yeah. <laughs> the, the whole case here is that you can't admit that because there's nothing in your case to back that up. You're basically just trying to emotionally appeal to the jury to paint a picture with which your evidence as the prosecution doesn't support. Now, secondarily, and the actual big deal here that was focused on at the end of that clip that I played was Thomas Binger making comments about the quote pre-trial silence it's called the fifth amendment when you are arrested by a police officer they say you have the right to remain silent it's, it, those are called your miranda rights but it is part of the fifth amendment you are allowed to maintain silence until you have legal representation and you get a recommendation from a lawyer on what you should and should not say because lawyers understand the law and i i, I want i want everyone to understand that for a second they're upset that Kyle Rittenhouse sought legal counsel. They're actually upset that several people, because it had been mentioned numerous times in this trial, that there were witnesses that sought legal counsel before discussing anything with the state prosecutor. Now understand the state prosecutor is trying to put people in jail. 
They are trying to demonize legal representation against the state. And I think it, it goes without saying that they are also trying to demonize the concept of defense against the state. Think about that for a second. The entire point of this trial is whether or not it is okay for you to defend yourself. Now, you're not going to back me down when you have Governor Evers, the governor of Wisconsin, when these riots broke out, which these riots were based off of Jacob Blake getting shot by law enforcement, which, by the way, now that we have 2020, now that we have hindsight, the guy was trying to stab police officers, reaching for a weapon. He had a knife in his hand. The, the shooting of Jacob Blake was justified. It took months to get there. But notice that yeah. there is not a police officer in jail over the shooting of Jacob Blake. But there were riots in the streets of Wisconsin over the shooting of Jacob Blake. Now, Governor Evers, at the time when these riots were occurring talked about how law enforcement just keeps killing poor black people. So he was encouraging these riots. And then when, when the Kyle Rittenhouse situation happened, the governor, certainly the governor of Wisconsin said, we have to fry this kid. Of course that happened. Of course that's how it went down. So, so they're saying you can't defend yourself against. And the reason why I bring up governor Evers supporting these riots by basically stating that their uh, grievances were justified, that makes those riots state-sponsored terrorism. Yeah. What we see occurring in Portland, what we what we saw occurring in Portland, uh, the Chaz in Seattle, all of these BLM riots were state-sponsored terrorism because the state basically said, turn your backs, law enforcement don't get involved, nobody do anything. So let's not be shocked that people take matters into their own hands. And I'm not, I, I don't even want to necessarily debate that so much, but just understand the left is trying to make it wrong for you to retain a lawyer when the entire state of Wisconsin is trying to have you murdered. Yeah. To that point, because this judge says you can't question the Fifth Amendment right of a citizen, because you can't admit evidence that has already been barred in this trial, they are now demanding, the left liberals, blue check marks people on CNN, MSNBC, are demanding the removal of this judge. Other reasons why they want to remove this judge, and I, I can't stress to you how insane it was for me on veterans day to read headlines where people are saying that a judge needs to be removed from a case because his ringtone was god bless america yeah also on veterans day this is going to sound very normal to you people but he said today's veterans day do we have any veterans here? Anyone in the jury or anyone here currently here in the courtroom? And only one person raised their hand. And he was like, oh, wow, that's really surprising. And so he asked the gentleman, oh, like, what, what branch were you in? Oh, he's in the United States Army. He's like, well, I do want to have a round of applause for our veterans on Veterans Day. 
Well, it turns out that the guy that served in the army happened to be, I believe he was the firearms expert witness for the defense. (laughs) So, of course, this was taken as, oh, the judge made everybody clap for a defense witness. Oh, geez, we've got to throw the case out. They want to throw the case out because they're going to lose. Yeah. And Governor Evers, by the way, has activated 500 National Guard troops to deploy to Wisconsin to await the um, results. Now, mm-hmm. let, let's just uh, let's just be honest here. If Kyle Rittenhouse was found guilty, would there be right-wing riots in Kenosha, Wisconsin? Sadly, no. No, there wouldn't be. Because Derek Chauvin was found guilty. There were no riots. Much to our discredit. (laughs) Now, if he's found innocent, will there be riots in Wisconsin? Maybe. Maybe. Who's going to riot? Actually, no. Uh, Left-wing activists. Yeah, let me just rephrase this. Who riots in the United States? Who, who, Who riots? Who lights buildings on fire? Democrats. Like it, it's not the right wing. The The worst thing that we've seen the right wing do is, uh, let's see, 2017 in Charlottesville, uh, some guys in polos marched and, oh, geez. And then they, they were marched vi- around with torches. Oh, yeah. geez. They, they marched around with tiki torches and then they were attacked by left wing uh, jackbooted thugs. Hooray. Mm-hmm. Um, and, oh, yeah. Then the one time that they did actually protest, they went to the people's house and uh, the cops let them in, and there were a bunch of feds involved encouraging them to, like, go into certain rooms. One person got shot and killed that was a Trump supporter, and they're literally trying to call it an insurrection. So, needless to yeah. say, one, the right wing doesn't riot anyway. Uh, number two, when they do protest, which isn't even a riot, especially like when we saw lockdowns, uh, consistently the government tries to jail them for, like, coup or insurrection or violence so the right wing certainly doesn't riot now because they would go to jail for like years while they wait to get charged for trespassing to get a $20 fine exactly now if you are on the right regardless of how this case comes out do not go to Kenosha, Wisconsin. Because the feds are going to be there. If anyone is encouraging you to march in Kenosha, Wisconsin, that's probably a fed. Yep. Now I'm saying well, that. And this is exactly, this is the problem. This is why the right doesn't do any sort of protest type activities or anything. Because the government the government is, will come down on us with a very harshly if we even attempt things like that mm-hmm. right well and according to according to hg cynical here they're going to riot either way the left is going to riot if he is found not guilty and they're going to riot if he is found guilty regardless there's going to be riots that's entirely possible now i will leave one caveat normally i would say oh they're absolutely going to riot The only reason why I say that it might not happen is because strangely, we've also, even though we live in a country that apparently law enforcement just regularly goes and shoots black people, 
Um, we haven't seen any Black Lives Matter uh, anything since Joe Biden got into office. And that's because the only reason Black Lives Matter existed was to try to get a Democrat elected to office. Now that there is a Democrat in office, do they have a reason? No. So, yeah, like, I, I mean, I, I hope they riot. I hope that Kyle Rittenhouse is found guilty and there are massive destructive riots that cause millions of dollars in property damage visibly on every person's television screen afterwards Wait, did you say you hope he's found not guilty or guilty uh not guilty i hope i hope he's found innocent and i hope the left riots and i hope it is absolutely horrific i hope the left riots and it and i hope thousands die in the streets and it crosses <laughs> an entire new entire civil war that allows us to sweep the country clean of this vermin but i think more realistically i hope that he is found innocent. I hope there are giant riots, and I and I hope they're very public because that will absolutely vindicate everything about the situation that he is on trial for. If he is found guilty and there are giant destructive riots, it will be very hard to say that it was a ne- it was a negative thing that he was out there. It was a, like that what happened to him was totally his fault. It's like imagine if there's giant riots where people go. Well, see, this just vindicates the fact that, you know, he should never have tried to protect his town from giant riots. Right. Well, and, and this is where it's actually going to get really interesting is, um, okay, so I don't know how you can't have riots. That's actually, it, it would be very shocking if there weren't because of the fact that the news media is lying about this case. If you are... A ignorant leftist who doesn't get your own information and gets just spoon-fed corporate media propaganda, mm-hmm. you believe that this is a slam-dunk case. This guy murdered people. Uh, they were also black somehow. Um, and not only should he be on trial, but he uh, his mom should be on trial, trial for driving him there. And... Um, the judge should also probably be on trial because he tried uh, because he's obviously a Trump supporter because he likes veterans and the song God Bless USA. Uh, yeah. So so uh, there's no way that if he's found innocent that these people wouldn't snap because to them, because of the lies they've been fed by the corporate media, to them, the justice system's completely broken. This is a white kid who got away with murdering a bunch of black people. That is, I mean, I'm not joking. There are a ton. It's a regular thing that people share on social media. There are a ton of liberals who actually believe that Kyle Rittenhouse shot black people. Yeah. It's, no, it's they, amazing. They intentionally tried to make sure that that would, disinformation was out there because it's going to keep people divided and fighting amongst themselves. Right. The whole point it, is to make it impossible for us to get to the truth on any one thing. So we keep fighting amongst each other and they're being very successful at that. Well, and I mean, I will say where I've seen a lot of success informationally is there are, there have been absolutely situations where a lot of people, and I think part of it is because of the responsibility that a lot of right wing um, content creators and, and news people have just been sharing clips without going too far into pushing their opinion. They've just shared 
clips for people to see. There have been a lot of kind of regular people um, that have seen, uh, I mean, well, actually a, a good example now that I'm going to have to kind of ruin my own argument here, but even Anna Kasparian from The Young Turks had to admit that she hadn't really watched any of the video and had to yeah. go on The Young Turks, a hugely progressive program, and say, now that I've seen the video and I've kind of looked at it, uh, I've been wrong in how I've presented this story. Now, yeah. it's possible that Anna Kasparian is pulling a Mia culpa because just a few days prior to her going and admitting that now that she looks at the actual video evidence and isn't just being, which by the way, just point, just to point that out, uh, this is a person who supposedly is a news is a journalist admitting that she never watched any of the video evidence. She was just being spoon fed an opinion from somewhere, but yeah. this was also days after, uh, the young Turks claimed that he murdered four black people. So that Mia culpa could just be in attempt to not get the ever living bejesus sued out of them, which by the way, every news media outlet should get 100% sued by Kyle Rittenhouse. Yeah. Like, like one, they, they, they completely like the president, the current president of the United States. If I'm getting the quote correctly, called him a domestic terrorist. Hmm. Like you did no matter how this trial comes out, even if he's found innocent, he did not get a fair trial. There were politicians saying that this kid was guilty of murder. Yeah. That's not a fair trial. You just, you can't, and they don't want you to have one, of course. But the point is there's, if the left doesn't riot because Kyle Rittenhouse is found innocent, that actually is more suspect than if they do. Mm. Because there's no way with the way that the media has been presenting this case and what I've seen plenty of Democrats believe about this case, there's no way that you wouldn't be incensed if he's found innocent. Because if you watch corporate media, if you only follow liberals on social media, there's no way this kid isn't guilty. There's no way this kid isn't a white supremacist murderer. You would lose all faith in the justice system and be so infuriated that the only choice you had would be to go out and riot. Sure. So if they don't, that's how you, that is to me, that is proof to me. That all of this, uh, that's proof to me that groups like Antifa and Black Lives Matter are literally weaponized by the Democrat Party and take direct orders from the Democrat Party. Because as Alan was stating here, that would not go well for Joe Biden. That would not go well for Democrats if they had riots that would prove exactly why people like Kyle Rittenhouse exist. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, what what would happen if there were giant riots? Would Joe Biden allow a city to be burned down on his watch? Would he mobilize the police and crush it with government force? There's yeah. it, it would. And this is why I hope there's riot because it would put the Democrats in a sort of a no-win situation. Now, what I think would happen is if there are riots, they would be crushed by police force, and 
everyone would just try and pretend like last summer, the giant countrywide destructive riots that led to things like the events in Kenosha, which Kyle's on trial for, they will probably try and pretend like that never happened, like defund the police was never a rallying call, and then just say, well, you know, this, this, all this white supremacist terror is really, you know, kicking people up. People are desperate. In fact, that's what I bet they would do. If there was a riot, they're going to try and turn it into something beneficial for them by claiming, see, this just proves how upset people are that we allow white supremacists to eat and breathe in our country. We really, th this is proof that we need to take further steps to really destroy white supremacists in our nation. Because look at how angry people are about white supremacy. They feel the government isn't solving it, which is why there's a riot. Right. Th they'll use it as a create a problem, then create the solution and claim that your solution is going to solve the problem. Right. <laughs> you know, if everyone was vaccinated, this building wouldn't be on fire right now. Yeah, seriously. Yeah, it would be a certainly be a shame if your country had to burn down. You should probably it'd be real shame if that happened. You should probably do your part and get vaccinated and stopping a white supremacist. Really, you're the problem. No, seriously. Yeah, that's that is that's how they operate. Like, no, you you just don't understand. Like, the well, what it's going to be is people are upset because, of course, because, you know, Kyle Rittenhouse is white it just proves that there's systemic racism um, in the justice system. Let's not talk about the fact that there is 100% a black school shooter who is currently yeah. out on bail after shooting four people, including a teacher. Yeah, and that this is the thing. No, no matter how this trial ends, it is simply going to be used as yet more proof of white supremacy, of all this other nonsense, and it's just going to continue to be used to drive us into civil conflict with one another. Right. It's like, be I, I don't necessarily foresee a future in, the, in where this is reversed. How do you get all these people that believe that we live in some horrible white supremacist nation waking up to the truth that, that they were sold a lie? I, I don't know that you can at this point. Well, I mean, even that, well, and that's to, to, to another kind of, aspect of that e even if they did wake up to it would they admit it probably not or would it be so horrifying because of the things that they've done based on that lie yeah you know because because yeah. that's the point like, i mean th there are people who have obviously they've lost friends they've lost you know whatever there are people who have absolutely committed violence based on this lie mm -hmm. you know i mean well, it's just, it's going to be interesting. I have no idea how it's going to go. We're going to have to see. I'm not actually sure when it's actually supposed to. I, I, I assume it's wrapping up because there were discussions about how long um, they needed for closing arguments, both the defense and the prosecution. And the prosecution wanted some like in, insane amount of time, like two and a half hours. And their like principal piece of uh, evidence is a, a picture that's so blurry. It looks like a watercolor painting. Yeah. And which is absolutely incredible on its own <laughs> on it, on its no, own. That, that is something that's truly been incredible <laughs> watching this Rittenhouse trial is the lengths at which professional lawyers and professional prosecutors are going to try and make sure this kid is found guilty is absolutely ridiculous. The, the reason this judge has been, you said people are 
critical of this judge is because he's throwing out a ton of incredible nonsense that they're pushing. Mm -hmm. It's it is ludicrous. It's the fact that you look at it and go, someone that got this far in the field of law knows better than to try the things that they're trying. The mm -hmm. fact that this professional lawyer who has years of experience doing this is pulling these kinds of absolutely ludicrous tricks is because he cares more about the political ramifications of this trial than he cares about actually performing his job as a lawyer within the bounds of law that he knows exist. This guy is essentially trying to perform legal malpractice. He knows that it's wrong, and yet the he's still going ahead with it. Yeah. He has no qualms about doing that, even as a professional lawyer who passed the bar, who's done this for years, clearly has no problem throwing all of that morality, all of his morality out the window if he can get this political win. That's the mindset of people like this. It is absolutely terrifying and there's no future living with these people all right well that's gonna have to be it for us for this week we will be back obviously next week on sunday from noon until two eastern time i'm aaron from the east coast i'm alan from the west coast and this is wrong think radio have a great week everybody we'll see you soon